This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to another edition here of Reinvention Radio. Look at you, you're smiling already. That's a big smile. That's a great smile. My God, all right. Very, very cool having everybody here today. What's up, Mary Goulet? Hello. How are you, my friend? Yeah. Richie Ote, what's up, babies? Hello. And uh, the one and only Rosie Aiello is here. How are you, Rosie? Oh, I'm great. Good. I'm so glad you decided to join us here in studio. we got a lot to cover with you and very much looking forward to that. And, uh, geez, talk about a story of stories. My God. Ah. All right. So for those of us uh, who uh, had a good Thanksgiving... Awesome. For those of you who had a crappy Thanksgiving, uh, well, sorry, there's always next year, right? And uh, hopefully you fell in the former category. Uh, I had a nice Thanksgiving, and uh, we'll cover some of that as well. I'm sure you did, Mary, and uh, Richie will cover some of that. Am I being presumptuous? No, no, but I'm such a dork because I know your birthday's the 25th. It is, and you totally missed it. I told. Well, no, because I said it. On Two days before. Oh, the 23rd. Yeah, 23rd. See, I'm like, what am I thinking? You're like, you're like half of the people on Facebook. Like, that's like half of my birthday wishes come in long before the birthday. I don't know if it's just they get that message in their box and then they figure, eh, I don't know. <laughs> all right, so no worries at all. And we'll, we'll cover Thanksgiving later in, uh, in a sound off. Well, and, there's uh, always next year. And there's always there's next always year. There's always next year. Exactly. I could get it right. <laughs> so for those of you guys joining us for the very first time here on Reinvention Radio, welcome. Glad to have you with us. That is awesome. Don't forget we do broadcast live every Thursday from 12 until 2 Pacific. And uh, you can catch that feed at Reinvention Radio. Dot com And uh, if you're listening to the podcast edition here of Reinvention Radio, then welcome to that as well. And if you've been rating and uh, reviewing and subscribing to the podcast edition, well, we thank you for that. So thank you for sharing the show with those who you think can uh, benefit from some of our teachings. We cover a lot of ground here, whether it's business or politics or technology or life in general. Uh, or we'll have just some amazing people join us in studio, authors and, you know, people extraordinary like Rosie, who's here with us today. Uh, definitely cover a lot of ground, and uh, we appreciate you guys sticking with us for What Is Your What Wednesday and Soulful Sunday and the Sound Offs. And uh, I'm actually going to be launching a new show after the first of the year. That's the plan. You know about it. I told you about it, so we'll declare it out loud. Richie, this is, this might be actually the first you're hearing of it. but uh, Oh, that you said it to her last week? I did. Okay. I did, yeah. And, uh, and we're going to do it here, Wade. Don't, 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 don't give me that worried look of... Where are you going to do it? No, we're going to do it here for sure, and uh, and uh, and so uh, just kind of going off of the, the the search side of the equation, you know, what do people look for when they're looking for business related podcasts? Well, they look for the best business podcast they can find, right? So that's actually going to be the name of the show, the best business podcast. I like it. See, keep it simple, the best business podcast because that's what people search for. So taking a page out of uh, and that's going to be us. And that's going to be us, <laughs> the best business podcast. Taking ever. a page out of what? Ever. Taking a page out of what we teach, okay. you know, because it's uh, when you think about search, you think about niche. That's what this world is all about. Yes, Wade, sir. Well, just to throw in real quick, somebody may be using the best podcast ever, yeah. but business if you're podcast. the best podcast yeah. ever that you can find, Better. emphasizing you're about discovery, yeah. boom, exactly. there's your niche. I, thought you, I thought you were going to mention Nathan. Uh, I was, but I didn't want to give him any more credit than credit's due. So, uh, yeah. He's, he That's a theme his, with him. He already gives himself enough credit. I don't, but no, you're, you're right. For sure. I, and we'll talk about that later in the sound up. But right now, let's talk about Rosie. Because we got Rosie here in studio with like the world's biggest smile. 
And it's crazy because, like, my God, like, if anybody should not be smiling, I mean, seriously, you've had just an unbelievable go. And you are just, I mean, like, uh, like the poster child for living in the present moment. I, I mean, seriously, and take us back to how, I mean, you have just an unbelievable story of living under what mon- many might call uh, just some dire circumstance. I mean, just take us back because I want people to understand. How did this start? How all of this started because for you to come in here with this huge, I mean, like ear-to-ear grin and you're always, every time I've had the the pleasure of connecting with you online or in person at the New Media Summit, you, you, know, you can't, I mean, just always a smile, always love for everyone and no one would ever know the trials and tribulations you had to endure, which I, I just want you to share the, a, a bit of that story. We'll go a little bit deeper into that. So take take us back before we come into the uh, the present moment. Well, thank you. Um, I was I lived in the Middle East for about twenty five years, and before that, I was um, in high tech. I was in finance, doing um, financial advising and budgeting, and just was really on the high road there. And then. I reconnected with a man I had met in at Berkeley, and we got married. He's Lebanese, and we moved to Saudi Arabia. Mm. And I lived there for about 12 years, and then I lived in Lebanon for about 12 years. Mm-hmm. And here I had moved from this being independent, um, high-rising, fast-star-moving, owned my own home, doing all my own decisions, to... Following, you know, my heart of somebody I, you know, who shared so many values, but really from the beginning, it was an emotionally abusive relationship, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't expecting that and I didn't know what it was. So there was a, a significant shift or change in his personality when you guys left the country? Or do you go back and have a gut feel like, oh, I saw well, the writing he, on the wall? Well, yeah, there was hindsight, you know, hindsight always tells you a big story. But when you don't have the vocabulary, when you don't have the awareness of it, uh, I, I, I didn't know, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think this is a big part for women, you know, we're, we're smart women. And I just was talking to a client. She goes, I never thought I would get myself in this kind of a situation. And this is what's so hard and what I want to support these women in. So I saw inklings, but I didn't know what they were. I just thought it was a normal relationship. Oh, he got angry. Okay, you know, people get angry, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what it really was. But then when from the beginning, you know, from our wedding day to our honeymoon to just early, early stages of our marriage, and he would just sit me down and lecture me and mm-hmm. scream at me and just tell me how horrible I was. And so, well, I'm a good, you know, I worked in corporate. I know how to be a good performer. I'm just going to do better. Mm-hmm. Do you remember mm-hmm. the first time he snapped? The very first the time? The very first time. Like the very first time you were like, holy mother of God, like who, who, who is, is this, this guy? guy? Yeah, I would... I don't know if I can remember the very first, but I can remember one of the very first ones. And it was when I had to, when he sat me down and I was just like. Now you were in Saudi Arabia at this point. I was in Saudi Arabia. So you had already left your family. You had already left your friends. You had already moved to this foreign country. Mm -hmm. No kids at this point. And did you know that was going to happen when you got married? 
or did that happen after you got married? We're going to get married and we're going to go to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, no, I knew I was going to move to Saudi Arabia. You knew. Yes. So you signed up for that. You knew you were going to move overseas. Yes, yes. So you were in Saudi Arabia first year of your marriage or or almost months, uh, within months of your marriage. It sits you down. Do you remember what what happened? What the lecture was about? Like, what what was that? What what's recall that for us? Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting how they can. And I say they. You know, I'm going to generalize a little bit here. How these people can just get snap at anything. And mm-hmm. so, it he was just angry that I was, I think, asserting my independence. You know, I wasn't used to being told what to do, mm-hmm. and Not that I was, and I, there's always the action of fight, flight, or freeze. And I was in total shock that he was screaming at me. And I didn't, I'm not a screamer. I don't yell back. And I learned early on in our relationship that it was like adding fuel to the fire. So if I started to even ask questions or this is, or defend myself and say it's not true, he would get even angrier. So I thought, well, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Richie. I was going to say p- part of why I was asking earlier if you knew you were going um, was I was wondering if you had discussed the cultural differences prior to going, right? Because it sounds like I'm not condoning any of this behavior, by the way, but it sounds like once he got to the environment where the culture is different, mm-hmm. he started acting different. It sounds like, but I don't, I don't know. Like what he knew. I mean, that's yeah, probably I mean, what he witnessed. Yeah, for, you're back for in your old life. environment. You start doing, you know, oh, women don't do this. Women, like, kind of in his culture. Mm-hmm. Is there? It, I before I got married, I I visited the Middle East. I saw. I met his family in Lebanon. Um, I actually got into Saudi Arabia, which I won't discuss because mm-hmm. it wasn't. Legal. It wasn't legal at the time to, for <laughs> what you did. But I did it. But anyway, years ago. Um, now, in the Middle East, we're talking about an obviously patriarchal society, right, where there is that sense of an entitlement. And it wasn't until I came back here to the United States after I arrived that it's everywhere. So, yes, there's a preponderance there. There's the assumption that it's there. And it almost makes it easier. Oh, well, you're going to expect the guy to be that way. You don't mm-hmm. expect that for, from the Western man. Mm-hmm. And all of my studies have been about Western men. So I just want to go back one little thing. So let's say he has a blow-up. Okay, this will be fast. No, we're, he has a, we're going straight through. Okay. He has a blow-up, and you just, like, sit there and take it. And then when you guys are breaking bread and everything's calmed down, do you ever go, what the F, dude? Or would that just make him rail again? Oh, or yeah. try to just calmly say, what was that about? There was no way. There was no way. In my mm. case, there was no way. And... Because it just, he would just get angrier, and then I would get the silent treatment, and then I was already isolated, right? I couldn't, there was nobody, nobody for me to talk to. In my 25 years of marriage, I, I, for the most of the time, I was living in shame and quiet. I didn't tell a soul. My brother finally found out after 18 years of marriage. I told my brother and my two best friends in the United States. So for 18 years, nobody knew. How did you keep going that long? Well, I was going to say, when did you start, when did you notice this isn't me, this is him? Because I'm sure there was a gap after that before then you get to Mary's question of, yeah, but because you had to notice it first. There's a I just, I don't, I just knew it was, I was feeling really bad and I couldn't stand it. 
But when you get brainwashed, you know, when you're told day in and day out, you're not a good wife. And then when I became a mother, you're not a good mother. I'm, oh, I know you love your daughter, but you're not a good mother. When you're constantly um, discredited, you're um, put down, you're insulted, you're humiliated nonstop for years and months, um, you begin to believe it. So I'm like, how, how did you get your breaking point? Mm. My daughter, in the Middle East, the custody, custody goes automatically to the father between the ages of 7 and 18. So there's like no custody battle. There's no discussion. You know, when the child is young, they can be with the mother. But as soon as they um, are, you know, after 7, until they become major, they can take the child away. So, you know... A mother does what a mother does. There was no way I was going to leave without my daughter. Right. I was miserable. And uh, But your daughter must have been miserable, too. My daughter was miserable, too. So the breaking point was I had started to tell my daughter privately, you know, when you're ready, let me know. And she didn't have a really good high school experience, but she really was enjoying college, you know, at the American University of Beirut, where we were living. And then one day she said get me away from my father. Mm. Just get me away from my abusive father. Mm-hmm. And actually, my first reaction was, you only have one year left of, of the university. Can't we <laughs> wait another year? Mm-hmm. No, mom. And then I think, you know, another year of toxicity, right? Yeah. So within four months, I planned the escape of our lives. Because you did not have access to money. You, he was always around? He was always around. What did, he, did he work? I mean, was he, he, he was kind of or? He worked. He was 24-7 really at the house. And he, yeah, he worked a little bit. He was mostly retired, but he was always piddling around. But he was always there. Mm-hmm. He was always there. Mm-hmm. And he would take a business trip when we were in Lebanon. He would take a business trip every now and then to Saudi Arabia. But I had no breathing space. Yeah. I mean, he would, you know, if I wanted to go to the store uh, f- uh, or, or wherever, he would call me. You know, when, when are you coming back? I had to mm-hmm. sneak in visiting my friends, oh, I'm going to be at the store. Oh, it's taking a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I see your perplexed look. It's like, how can a woman who had this much independence, but this is what happens. This is what it's happens. It's insidious. It's exactly. That's exactly. It's, it's insidious, especially, this is we're talking about si- the silent abuse. I didn't have a black eye. Yeah, couldn't see your bruises. Couldn't see emotional. And, and there was never any physical abuse I won't at say all? never, you know. I would say a couple of times where he left some bruise marks on my arm. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Like there was grabbing a, your arm or something of that nature. Yeah, so it was so tight. And, oh, I, you know, couldn't, and then he would always twist and turn the blame onto me. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I would tell him, you know, you're, you're terrorizing me. You're terrorizing your daughter. Yeah. Then he would say, no, it was me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, a narcissist by definition, really. I mean, but take us through then what, as Mary said, you, you, I mean, this guy, well, as you said, this guy's always there. As Mary said, you had very little access to, to money. You had very little access to, I mean, this guy was really controlling your entire life. And were, were you working at any point during all of this? He, he made it difficult for me to work. Mm-hmm. I worked a lot for his company because um, mm-hmm. of my financial background. Finally, after umpteen years, he decided to pay me. Mm. But then I didn't see my salary. It all went because I owned a house in San Francisco, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And he just decided what to do with my money. Mm-hmm. I didn't 
It did, never came to me personally. He made decisions all about the money. So how did you get out? <laughs> yes. So I, it will go in the book. You're too. in Lebanon. At this moment, I'm in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. And um, we always come to the United States every year for our vacation because mm-hmm. I'm from the San Francisco Bay Area. That's where we met. We met at Berkeley. He had friends. And I arranged it so that when we arrived at San Francisco International Airport, my brother was going to be meeting us there. We had, I had planned this. I knew exactly where my brother was going to be. It wasn't going to be like I had to look for him in the crowd. I knew exactly. I mean, I planned everything. Mm-hmm. And this is one of my, I realize this is one of my strengths because of being a planner in, in you know, the financial business market. I knew how to plan. I knew how to manage my time. And going through those doors at San Francisco International Airport and leading up to it, I tell you, was really stressful. I mean, even at customs and stuff because we end up being chosen to go through customs. Mm-hmm. And your daughter was with you. My daughter, of course, is with me. And she's in on it. She's in on it. So she knows. So, and now your brother is going, what's taking her so long? Because he's waiting somewhere at some per- certain time for you to show up, and you're now, whatever, 45 minutes longer. Yeah, it's right, right, because he doesn't know. He knows we've arrived. Mm-hmm. And then the doors open nice. up, and, and I, my daughter and I take our trolleys and go right behind my brother. It was like the first time I felt safe mm. between you know, my abuser and him. Mm-hmm. And my husband is just standing there in the middle of the airport with people swirling around him, dumbfounded. I was so terrified to talk to my husband. I had my brother talk to him and say, Rosie's a little upset, so she needs some time away. I couldn't say it. I couldn't even have my brother say it because I was so terrified. Mm. You get into a state of absolute fear. And and things I want people to understand is that your mind literally gets changed your brain waves are changed. Oh, sure. You can't think the same way that you can think. And this is why when people from the outside will ask me, well, why didn't you just leave or leave earlier? There's lots of complications for why women can't leave. But your mind's not... You have all your capacity here. Mm-hmm. Now I have pretty much mine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we both suffer from extreme PTSD. I bet but, you you changed his mind right there, though, pretty quick. Yeah, what I mean, happened? That, I bet you that was an interesting scenario. You're in public, and your brother now says. So ju- just your brother is there, though. You didn't you didn't assemble anybody else. So your your brother's there. You come off the you come through the custom doors. Obviously, you met at a particular spot outside of customs. Your your husband at this point sees your brother. Is this the first time he's met your brother? No, I mean, no, he obviously, of course not. Right. So so your brother picking you up wouldn't be unusual so he probably wasn't like this is you know there, there's something well, out of the ordinary here right it I sounded mean, like she said she went with the trolleys with the daughter behind the brother and stared behind, at him. so it's yes. like like the the got to get the visual of right. that like he's basically she's basically saying we're over here you're over there see ya yeah in a in you know i mean did you go like on a full-on sprint through those doors <laughs> to look for him or no, my heart was beating but you know as soon as the, the doors open i knew exactly where to look mm-hmm. and you know, I had to go right, then left. You know, it was just you know, it was like I couldn't do it straight. Mm-hmm. And then I went behind my brother. Now, you bring up an interesting point. You know, he didn't think it was totally unusual because in the Lebanese custom, even if you're gone for a week, the whole family meets you at the airport. Sure. So for him, it's like, 
That's unusual, yeah. but not that out of the ordinary, even though my brother had never met us at the airport. Mm-hmm. So then what did your ex-husband say when your brother said she needs some time? She, I want to talk to my daughter. So, so he didn't even care necessarily in that moment about your feelings. He was now shifting his attention to your daughter. Yes. Interesting. Right. And so I told my daughter... Um, don't tell me you knew because I was still, you know, always trying to make things work, always trying to make things work. And I thought, well, geez, you know, maybe, you know, they can work it out, even though she was the one who wanted to leave. Maybe, you know, I just had this, you, you always strive for hope no matter what. Up until I was leaving, I wanted to try to make things work. So she said she wanted to tell the truth, but she lied. And, um, that has come back at me, mm-hmm. but that's okay. I mean, he's still to this day, even though she was, she was too much shy of being 21. Mm-hmm. You know, she was already way over major of 18. She was too much shy of being 21, and he still accuses me of brainwashing her and kidnapping oh, her to, to this day. So that, was that the last time you saw him? No. Um, he's very good. We ended up, my attorney, I, I got an attorney within three days. I'd already set that up to interview attorneys. I got an attorney in three days. <clears throat> I didn't have, I didn't have um, residency because mm-hmm. I lived outside the United States, so we mm-hmm. could only go for a legal separation. And um, she had a psychiatrist or psychologist on staff, or not on staff, but she worked with for me because he wanted to talk oh I love this woman I'll do anything for this woman you know you know I don't want to leave she's the love of my life so we met in her office and she had to she had to to uh, coax me and um, coach me how to say I'm I don't want to be with you anymore I couldn't say it I was so scared even Mm -hmm. with her there now you, you talked about the house and some of the assets that you had I mean he actually made you sell the house before this Escape, right? So, yes. how, what went on with that? Like, he must have had some sort of inkling or, or something going on where he thought maybe you were going to try to make a move. And, and, and so, what happened is because he, he obviously a house in San Francisco is probably going to be worth a few pennies. So, did you ever, what, how do you think all of that came about from a timeline perspective? I mean, he clearly knew something might have been going on, no? He didn't know anything was going on. And, and the time we sold the house was for a completely different reason. It was we sold it really at the top of the market in 2005. Mm. But it was my house. I bought it before we got married. Yeah. Um, I, you know, he was using my salary to pay for everything. And, you know, he paid some stuff, but we were married. Um, uh, four days before it was going to be sold, I was coerced to put him on the quick claim deed. Oh, and, come on. And so he, he took half of the funds. How did you, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Save women from themselves. Right. You know, and it's like he's got his friend who's the attorney there. And, you know, how am I going to say it? You know, I'm cornered. Mm-hmm. And, you you know, it's, you know, women, this is just it. You know, we get in this position where we don't realize it and we lose our voice. Mm-hmm. And this is what my mission is all about. Is gaining your voice back. How many years ago was this that you... Eight years ago. And in the ensuing year, even, or two years, anything 
did he keep coming after you? Was there any more drama or were you able to just get this settled and he went back to Baru or wherever he was, Saudi Arabia? Or did he stay here? No, no, he thought he would get arrested if he stayed here um, because he doesn't have U.S. citizenship. Okay. Mm-hmm. Only did, you, ha- did you claim asylum or something, or how did, how did you get? No, no, because I'm an American, so I didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. But to this day, he stalks us. He's hired somebody to stalk us. He's hired um, uh, somebody from the Lebanese intelligence, technical security, cyber thing who gets who's been after us. He's hired a lawyer in Washington State um, who's calling my friends, asking if they know anything about my daughter because they're claiming he's claiming parental alienation and saved the daughter, which makes my daughter go insane because she goes, she feels invisible. It's like, well, I have a voice here. Well, she's 21 or 22 now, right? She's 29 she's, no, now. Oh, right. Oh, right. Eight that years. was eight years ago. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So what? what's, I mean, what's the agenda then? I mean, why... And and he's not actually your ex husband at this point either, he is. right? Oh he yes, is now. oh yeah, we got he is now. yeah legally divorced in two thousand and five. Oh okay, so that's mm. well good for that. I mean, not two thousand and five, two thousand and eleven. Yeah, but <laughs> at least but at least here. that's over and done with. So, mm. but to this day, he's still stalking you and your daughter. Does she talk mm. to him at all? No, she does not. No. And do you have any? Do you have a sense at all in terms of why he is? stalking you what what the uh, what, what's the agenda behind that the agenda is to be able to get in contact with his daughter and he thinks i'm the block mm-hmm. behind it why doesn't she just somehow reach out to him and say dad bye-bye. she's already done that you know this is a real common response that you know why don't you just talk to him why don't you just you know even for us as we were like oh well you know he's so sweet and so kind and so you know he's all of those things right and he's mm-hmm. smart and he's funny and he's you know um, successful and all that stuff, it's behind the closed doors. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's what you don't see. And you can't talk to these people. I tried to explain to her, you know, the saying, you know, talking to a wall. Mm-hmm. It's like talking to the wall. They don't have any empathy. They can't, they literally cannot hear you. They can't hear your pain. They're mm-hmm. only self absorbed, so they can't see it. And so I understand that, mm-hmm. but I don't have to live with it. I don't have to be a martyr, and this is what got me out as well. I don't. I have my life. This is one life I have to live. One life for my daughter. I don't have to live a life of toxicity or martyrdom. Yeah. So, how has your life improved? Obviously, and your daughter's in a good place in her life. Yeah, she still suffers from complex PTSD and some depression, but we're you know she works with me in the company and. When I came, I mean, talk about reinvention radio. I mean, mm-hmm. I had to reinvent myself. Yep. I had to, I was like, all I, all I wanted to do was get out. I didn't have any plans post get out. Right. Mm-hmm. I lived with my brother for a few months before I moved to San Francisco. And then it's like, okay, what are you going to do with your life? Uh, I didn't want to go back into corporate finance. I was, you know, I was 56 when I came back. Wow. So I had been out of the market. I had contacted my friends, but you know. Yeah. They're looking for 35-year-olds or whatever. Yeah. So what are you good at? Mm-hmm. So I had to look, well, I'm good at planning and that. So I started a business, consulting business for entrepreneurs of time management, productivity consulting. And, and everybody said, oh, you know, you always teach, we have to learn. And I go, that's not true for me. I'm really good at this I stuff. Just, I'm good at teaching it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then um, I started to tell my story. And it took me a long time. I was scared to tell my story. Mm-hmm. 
And then people will come up to me and say, oh, yeah, that happened to me. And, oh, that, yeah, happened to me. You, oh, you should, you should write a book. Oh, your book should, your story should be made into a movie. And we heard this for years and years. And then, um, so I kept going on in my business. I won an international award for um, business. I, it's all these things. I'm like, I can't even believe that it happened. And then this year we decided, kept a promise that we'd start to write our memoir. Mm-hmm. And it's a rare, I would say, an unusual mother-daughter memoir because we want to give it a perspective of a, the wife, the mother, and a child and what happens in an abusive relationship and the harm that it's caused, especially to the children. Um, and it's really, it's really devastating. Mm-hmm. So as you, as you look back now, Obviously, it's, well, as you said, hindsight, I mean, is always going to be much clearer. So as you look back now, are there particular, and I'm sure, as you said, you've you've spoken to others about this, people who are experiencing similar atrocities behind those closed doors. Uh, if there uh, is there a common thread? Is there something? Maybe, as you said, I mean, you're in it. You don't even rec- maybe even recognize that you're in it. What are some of those common threads? What are some of those themes? What are some of those things going on that women who are in this sort of relationship, who may not even realize that they're in this sort of relationship, need to be looking out for? Yeah, that's a really great question. Thank you. So some of the um, common threads are they're, they're questioning your every move. You know, where are you going? When are you coming back? And in, in the beginning, it sounds like they, they're caring about you. Oh, he's caring about me. He wants to know when I... But then there becomes... You have to look for the patterns. Once mm-hmm. in a while is okay. It's the pattern that counts. And then if you get in a deeper relationship, then they start controlling the money. Now, I, quote-unquote, was lucky because he would give me an allowance, but I wouldn't have to show every receipt and, and balance every penny. And I've talked to women who've had to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's another common thread, controlling the money. Another common thread is they limit, and, and it, they limit who you can see. Yeah. So they start to isolate you. And, it's, and again, everything is done so slowly, and it's done like, you know, oh, I just love you, and I want you to be with me all the time. And so, oh, you think you're being adored, and you're, you know, they're crazy about you, when it's their way of controlling because they don't want anybody else to, to, to have you or mm-hmm. to see you in even girlfriends. I couldn't see anybody. I mean, for me to go shopping to this day is a sense of freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's all this matter of control. M- mine did it through also yelling, through intimidation, through insults. Mm-hmm. And this is why our movement, the Love is Kind movement, is like you deserve to be treated with kindness mm-hmm. always, you know. And respect and being a free human being. Right. Um, so those are some of the really common ones. And then, of course, there's if somebody hits you, somebody holds you back, who doesn't let you go forward in any way or form, mm-hmm. who controls, you know, like, oh, you can't, you can't work here. You can't do this. You know, I want you to stay home. And while they're going out and doing everything, they're visiting their friends, they're, they're Enjoying life, but not you. So if you meet a person and you can clearly, because of your experience, see, whoa, 
that's me walking around present day. She's got to get some help. How do you, until they get to their breaking point, how do you help them? And what would be the first steps? I, well, and I'm already doing this. So I just start giving them information of, of just these things, these questions. So is this happening to you? This is not a normal, healthy relationship. This is the other thing, is what's normal and what's a healthy relationship. And people just, women, I can't talk for men because I'm not one, but women will just keep caving in and making excuses. So I just start giving information. This is unhealthy. This is healthy. Do you see yourself in any of that? Until they keep coming, you know, because it's it's a really hard because we want to be loved. We want to be connected. We want to make it work. And we keep fighting for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. And so you are where as far as the, the manuscript is concerned? So you guys are writing a book together called 11 Hours to Freedom, right? Right, 11 Hours to Freedom. And it's our story of our international uh, escape. And that represents the 11 hours in terms of the flight from Lebanon to San Francisco? It actually represents the flight because there are no direct flights from Lebanon to the United States. So uh. it's actually from Paris to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And that's really a part of the story. We have three parts. The first part is the flight for freedom. The second part is the fight for freedom, which is really our, our recovery. Because when we came back, if I saw a car on the road that looked like his, I would just spin out, go into a depression, and crawl up on, on the floor and for days. Um, so I've had to re, you know, get my unlayer, you know, uncover all that stuff, and I'm still doing it, but I'm much better not being triggered. And then the third part is really the fulfillment of freedom, which is really stepping out even more and helping. You know, our goal is to really help a million women and their children from domestic violence. So when your book comes out. Are you anticipating any repercussions if he's already got people watching you or trying to find out what you're doing and where your daughter is? Yes. Okay. But I plan to take care of that beforehand. Okay. And because he has plenty of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, even in the beginning, I thought, oh, well, he could just, you know, hire somebody and, ro- you know, kill me, you know, have somebody roll me off the road or something, run me off the road. And and this is, you know, what's scary is that, you know, this is somebody who's halfway around the world. and But with the Internet, it's good and bad, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I'm trying to grow my business, and as I grow my business, I'm a public figure. You get more visible. Right? Yeah. Um, and yet, nothing's going to stop me. Yeah. My voice was squelched for so many decades, and so many women's voices are being are squelched. And I need to be, and I want to be their voice until they can get out. And this is not about breaking up families. This is not about um, men who are willing to to change and to be um, decent. And I know this happens to women as well or from women. But this is to give women the strength that we don't need to be in an abusive situation. It's not healthy. Mm -hmm. We don't need to be a martyr. We don't need to live in toxicity because it is destroying families. It's destroying the community. And really it's destroying the world. And my thing is this is the terrorism we need to end. We need to end family terrorism because when we end that, There'll be a lot more kinder people in the world because things thrive when people are kind. Yeah. Wow. For sure. So, you know, I mean, obviously being under the roof with someone, it's it's a very specific scenario of being monitored and doing what you're looking to do now under that roof. Obviously, that could not happen. But to still be impacted 
12 years later, right? I mean, we're talking... Eight, eight years. Okay. What was the 2005? Why do I have 2005? That, that, that was when I sold, sold the house. house. That's when you sold the house. <laughs> yes. All right. right. Uh-huh. So eight years. We, mm. Obviously, it's still been a number of years. Mm. But to still be impacted by that, I mean, that in and of itself is a life lesson, right? In terms of, like, how do you teach people to move beyond that? Like, I mean, you call it PTSD, and I'm sure a lot of people would say that's exactly mm-hmm. what it is. But it's like he's not there, but he's still there. So, how what what do you say to to women who have and, and men too have who have moved beyond the abuse, but are still being impacted psychologically and may even fear for their lives? I mean, do you do you, do you go down swinging? Do you do you just throw caution to the wind at this point? I mean, how you know what I mean? It's like you've endured the worst. What what else could possibly? What do you tell them? How do you how do you get them to move forward? It's really important to not have any contact with the abuser, and a lot of people would get sucked in because they oh well he wrote a nice letter or a nice email or phone call or whatever. So that's really number one. You've got to do that. The second thing is, and I say this all the time to myself and to my daughters, like we you know I believe you, I believe in her, I believe in my own truth. I I know the truth. I don't care what anybody is saying. I don't care what he's saying. I know the truth, mm-hmm. and to just keep holding on to your own truth uh, and not listen to other people and not listen. And the best thing is not to have contact. Because I'm writing the book, he knows I'm writing the book, it's coming, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more, um, more obvious for me if I wasn't in this, yeah. you know. So are you concerned about any sort of like defamation of character suit or something of that nature? Because, I mean, obviously you are who you are. You're not, it's not historical fiction. You're not going to be making up names. It's you. It's your daughter. Obviously he's going to be named, I would think, in in this book. I mean, do you just go for broke and just let it all out? Or do you think you have to curtail what what you actually say? Um, I'm not going to talk too much about that, um, but we're... This is the theme. I got to stop asking you questions. You do. Yes. You're talk very pro. Yeah. I know because I was listening to Barry White's uh, interview, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> which I really I want to refer to as well. Um, yeah, we're we're I'm being aware. How did he find out you're writing the book? Somebody somehow? Because I posted on Facebook. I want to get my support. You know, mm-hmm. you know. Again, I'm not going to let him stop me. Yeah, I I'm mean, not going to let him stop me. And to that end, it would just seem like you really. Sh- if it were me, but that's me. It's like, all right, I'm just, I'm, I'm naming names. I'm, I'm laying it down. I want people to know this story in its entirety because I, I would feel like I'm, like I'm giving them a filtered, a watered down version then of what, of what really happened. And, and ultimately, I mean, obviously, you've got to do what you're most comfortable with in doing. But it's like the pain has already been inflicted. Well, I mean, it that's... depends. She could write it in such a way they they might get more out of it if she doesn't name a name. Mm-hmm. Depends on what's her goal for the book. If she really wants to help a million women, does it help a million women for her to say his name? Maybe, maybe not. Right. I don't know how she's writing this. You Ma- don't know how naming she's names this. is a, maybe a, a misnomer in and of itself. I just mean in terms of being specific about what you had to endure. Oh yeah, there there'll be lots of there'll specifics. Be lots of that. Okay. Yeah, it's all. I mean, because yeah. it's my life for for, for sure. Right. It's true. Yeah. And you know, you, I really loved what you said, Rick. Is because I have to keep when I start to get into overwhelm about this book because it's a huge project. The yeah. mission is gigantic. It's like, oh my god! And then I just stop and say, this is this book is not about you. This mission is not about you. This this mission is about helping other women and their children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So, and that's what keeps me going. And, and so if you just had one final thought for a woman to speaking to one specific woman now, what would that final thought around her life be? I mean, what, what, what do you tell her? Even though it may seem hopeless, you can get out and you can create a life because you deserve to be treated with kindness and you, and you deserve to be able to create a life of joy and prosperity. And you can't do it alone, and that's why I'm here, and that's why there's a lot of people here. Hmm, we can help you. Yeah. Well, in wanting them to, if you're out speaking about this stuff, there's going to be one to five to ten women in an audience that could say, I'm living that right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's your service to. For sure. Yeah. Well, let, yes. let's, let's do this so that, because uh, unfortunately we got to wrap here. Love to keep going, but we uh, we got to wrap. If people want more information about uh, you, about the book, getting advance notification of when it's coming, I mean, any anything, uh, where where do people go? Where 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 should they go? Online, I, of course. Right <laughs> online. Yes, online. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they can go to um, eleven hours to freedom dot com forward slash gift. Actually, that's well, it get started. Okay. If they uh, have a gift called. 11 steps to asking for what you want because mm-hmm. as you've lost your voice you don't even you don't even think you can ask you don't even know how to ask yep. and they can ask me at Rosie or write to me at Rosie at clearvistaconsulting.com awesome well thank you so much for sharing your story mm-hmm. and uh, we wish you of course the best thank All right, my you. friends we'll talk to you next Woo-hoo. time here on reinvention radio you, you just got dismantled thanks for listening to reinvention radio for more information about the show and your host steve olsher visit reinventionradio.com you were born to do one amazing thing but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is if you're in a job you don't like or are unemployed if you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, then the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Olsher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped so many people get on the right path and clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step to realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting thereinventionworkshop.com today. No more delays. No more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to the reinventionworkshop.com today. That's the reinventionworkshop.com. <laughs>